Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community, deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Folks, all throughout the week, you will discover what we believe by what we do. We are a faith community that is committed to welcoming, affirming, and protecting the light in each human heart. We listen deeply to where love is calling us, and we act with humility, courage, and compassion to create a more just world. We do all of this with a deep commitment to racial justice and dismantling the systems of supremacy and oppression. There are lots of ways that you can get involved with First Universalist. I want to be sure to lift up a couple opportunities in particular. Next Saturday, we have our coming of age services. Coming of age is a year-long program that our eighth and ninth graders have been participating in this year. It's a program in which they grapple with the, the big questions in life and the big questions in religion. Things like, why are we here? What happens when we die? What does it mean to be human and alive? And so much more. All of this is part of their writing a short faith statement that describes what they believe in and how they might answer or think about those questions that we talked about. For Unitarian Universalists, this class and the service marks a milepost in their journey as they move from religious education with the younger ones to joining a new set of peers in our high school youth group. This service is a high point of the year for many. The faith statements that our young people create are deeply moving. And I really hope that you will join us next Saturday for one or both services, 11 a.m. for the service with the eighth graders, 6 p.m. for the service with the ninth graders. Uh, and if you're wondering why we are splitting it up into two services, it's because there are so many youth that opted into this program this year. About 40 are gonna be part of the service, which just blows me away. And so I really hope that you'll join us. Details on that are on the website. And I invite you to just settle in, roll your shoulders back and down, make space for more breath in your body. We're going to take a deep breath in, slowly let it out through our mouths. All right, and we'll do this three times. So deep breath in, slowly breathe out. Please join me in the words for the lighting of our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love 
and to help one another. Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to tell you a story that a friend of mine shared with me about crossing thresholds. Uh, so uh, he's an actor friend of mine, also a dancer, a theater maker, and he's on tour in Paris. And it's at the end of his tour, he's actually headed back home for a family emergency. And he has a friend who lives there who's in school there. And a friend of that friend has a map of the catacombs of Paris. Um, so if you don't know, the catacombs of Paris is like almost an underground city beneath the city. It's uh, it's ancient, it's centuries old. Um, there's a portion of it that has been used um, as the cemetery. When the cemeteries got too full, they began to put the remains of the dead down there. Um, part of it was used as a, a place to hide for the French during the First World War. Um, and it, they say you can walk through the catacombs from Paris to Versailles. It's huge and it is forbidden to go down there because it's dangerous. So my friend has heard about the catacombs and he knows somebody who has a map of the illegal catacombs and uh, who can tell him how to get inside. And so he, his friend says, you get off at the certain Metro stop and then you're gonna follow these train tracks. You'll come to an abandoned tunnel, keep going. Then you're gonna come to a bigger abandoned tunnel keep going and then you're going to come to a really long abandoned tunnel just keep going and as you're going uh, look down to your left eventually you're going to see a hole and that is your way into the catacombs he said but first of all do not go by yourself because if you get lost there won't be anybody to help you secondly don't go during the week because uh when people come down there, they usually come on the weekend. So if you get lost, you'll be all alone. Nobody will probably find you until the weekend and watch out for gangs and cops. So on his last day in town, a Tuesday, he calls up his friend and he says, uh, you wanna go down into the catacombs with me? And his friend is like, well, I have school, I can't go. So he's like, okay. And he decides to go by himself, right? He takes, the metro to the stop he was told about, he follows the train tracks and sure enough, he comes to an abandoned tunnel and he walks through that abandoned tunnel and he comes to a second longer abandoned tunnel and he walks through that abandoned tunnel and he gets to a third really long abandoned tunnel. He cannot see light at the other end of it and he thinks, okay, I'm on the right track. He's brought some things with him to cross this threshold. Uh, he's got a backpack, it's got some bread that he picked up on the way, some water, a bottle of water, and a flashlight, right? As he's walking through that third tunnel, he thinks, oh, wait, there could be homeless people down here. And so he, he's looking out for homeless people in case it's dangerous. And he's looking down left to see if he can find that hole that he was told about. And he walks and he walks and he walks and he passes like a little divot in the ground. And he thinks that couldn't be it. And he keeps going. He's looking for homeless people. He's looking down left. And then a little later, he thinks, oh, maybe that was it. And so he goes back and he shines his little flashlight down in that hole. And, and, and it is, it's a hole. It's not just a, a little dip in the in the pavement. And so he looks and it's a really, really, really narrow hole. He has to take off his backpack in order to fit into it. So he leaves his backpack behind 
and he sticks his flashlight in his mouth and he shimmies and squeezes down through this little hole. He describes it as being about uh, four feet long and he squeezes through. And then when he gets out, he stands up and he's there. He's in the catacombs, the part of this place that he's dreamt about that he's always wanted to explore, he's there. And he says, he describes um, the first part as being in a really small space. The walls were close enough to touch on both sides of him. He could almost touch the ceiling, it's really dark. You know, he's underground and it's really cold and he's excited to go explore. So he walks out into the next space and then he thinks because he's done a fair amount of exploring, oh, I better leave some markers to help me find my way back. And there's lots of trash in there that people have left behind. So he makes uh, a little arrow for himself at his first intersection, his first corner to point to the way that he should go to return back to his entrance. And he is thrilled to be in this place. And he walks around and there's caves and there's small tunnels. He described walking um, into a tunnel that got smaller and smaller and smaller until he couldn't walk anymore. And he has to turn around and go back out or walking through a space that has water that gets higher and higher and higher until he can't go forward anymore. And he has to go back out. And he is having an amazing time doing something that few people ever do. It's exciting, it's thrilling, but then he thinks, oh, wait a minute, what if someone else is down here? And what if they take the trash that I've been using to make my markers to make their own markers? He thinks, oh, I better head back. And so he turns around and he goes back. And as he's going back, thankfully, his markers are there and he can follow them. And he makes it all the way back to a, a, a corner. And suddenly there is no marker there and he can't he can't see any way to get out. And, and he, uh, he starts to walk around to see if he can find a way out. And after a while, he realizes that he's just been walking in the same rectangle and he starts to get scared. He starts to, to panic. He's alone. He has no food or water, just a, a small flashlight and a couple of batteries. Who knows how long that's gonna last. And he has a flight to catch the same day, you know? And so he, he starts to panic, you know, like what happens to your body when you panic? He, his, his breathing is really shallow. His heart is racing. His mouth gets dry. His palms get sweaty. He starts to shake a little bit because there's that much at stake. Like he could lose his life down there in the catacombs. And, uh, and, and he starts to, he realizes like that feeling he's felt it before. As a performer, if you're on stage and something goes wrong, that's kind of what our bodies do. We, we uh, your heart rate speeds up, your breathing gets shallow, you get nervous, like you can really feel it, and it kind of takes over. And he had a realization: oh, I've I've had this feeling before, and I know what to do about it. I like I have some practice getting through this kind of thing. And he said, first, I gotta calm my breathing. So he focused on his breathing. And he got his breathing to slow down. And as he, as he got his body to calm down, then he got his mind to get back in the game. You know, like as, as we get panicked, uh, we get in a situation where our bodies either want to run or freeze and our, our brains kind of get taken out of it altogether. But he got his brain back online and he thought, okay, um, 
when I'm in a situation where I don't know what to do or how to go further, what I usually do is I need to change my perspective. And so he took out his flashlight and he started to shine it all around the little space that he was in, up on the ceiling and in the walls and all around the, the ground. And then he would stoop down and, and he would get on his tippy toes. He would like move his body into different positions just to be able to see things that he hadn't been able to see before. And as he was swinging his flashlight around toward the ground, he saw these big rocks and not like the kind of rocks that are natural, but like they look like the kind of rocks, rocks that you see along train tracks. And he thought, oh, okay, if, if those are the rocks that belong to train tracks, then there must be train tracks nearby. And he got all the way down on his hands and knees and he shined his flashlight. And he realized that that was the hole that he came in through. And he, he also realized that he was so excited to be down there that he didn't put any kind of marker at the entrance. And so sure enough, he crawled back, shimmied back through and crawled out of that threshold back into the tunnel. And as he emerged from the tunnel back into the fresh air above ground, he said the smells of the grass and everything around him was so sweet. The feeling of the sun on his skin being back up above ground was great, but he realized that he would not have been able to come back through that threshold had he not changed his perspective. So that is a story, a real story about thresholds. Uh, my friend Brian is here, I think, so I hope I told it <laughs> to your satisfaction. Next, we're going to hear Frank Goholder and Travis Wayman uh, singing and performing Come My Way. Travis and Franco, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your music and your presence. Thank you. And that is where we might begin this morning. 
as we enter into this time of prayer, we might begin with gratitude. And so we pray, spirit of all lives, source that goes by so many names and is ultimately beyond naming. Thank you for the gift of this day, this morning, this hour. Thank you for music, for breath. We've crossed the threshold of night, moved through the doorway into a new day. Thank you. Thank you for spring, for green, for flamboyant, extravagant colors unfurling. Thank you. In the midst of our struggles, our struggles with addiction, with illnesses seen and unseen, our struggles with grief and fear, may we still lift up words of thanks. May we give thanks for tender mercies, for kindnesses, for hearts that hold our own heart. In the midst of uncertainty and sorrow, in the midst of feeling stuck, thank you, spirit of life, for people, for creatures and the creation itself that calls us back to life, to the blessings of life, to the possibilities of life, even amidst the hurt and the trauma. Spirit of love and spirit of life, this is a season of thresholds, of crossing from winter, early spring into spring and summer. As daylight stretches past the eight o'clock hour, as soil is prepared and readied and seeds and plants are placed in that soil. This is a season of thresholds. As beloveds, children and youth and adults prepare to graduate from elementary and middle and high school and trade school or college. This is a season of emergence as many of us move away from self-imposed isolation, making gentle and tentative gestures back into community and physical gatherings. And as a society, we wonder, are we on the threshold of a new kind of accountability for police officers? Are we on the threshold of a new way of imagining what public safety might look like? As we approach and live into these thresholds, these crossings, these moments of before and after, may we use, may we turn to the religious and spiritual tools we have to help us in these transitions, in these threshold moments. May we express gratitude and love for what we've experienced that has nourished us. May we express wonder and curiosity about what is to come May we express the grief of what is ending, knowing that grief points to the deepest kind of love and care. And may we consciously recognize and name these thresholds as we cross them. And of course, there is joy and gratitude in this space, in addition to the very real loss and struggles 
that have been shared. And I invite you to share those things as well, those things that you are thankful for, those things that give you joy even amidst the moments of despair and the seasons of hopelessness. I invite you to share those things that give you hope that bring a smile to your face or a yes, yes, yes to your lips. I invite you to share what brings you delight, to name those things now. And this is what we are holding this morning, friends. We are holding real delight and real sorrow. And that is the river that all of us, that is the river of life that flows through all of us. We touch those experiences daily, weekly, over the course of the seasons of our life, we move through unbelievable delight and joy and almost unspeakable grief. It is part of what it means to be human. And when we bear witness and hold that together, we recognize our common humanity. We hold our common humanity. And so we end this time of prayer as we do every time we pray together, that the grip of addiction may be loosened, that the weight of oppression might be lightened, that grief might be shared, that joy might break through, and that love might make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so, and amen.
Moses split up the sea in two, and Jesus made the water wide. I remember feeling sad, miracles don't happen still, but now I can't keep track, cause everything's a just it was gorgeous it was gorgeous thank you for sharing your music with us and if you're not uh, noting it you're getting a lot of love in the chat right now David thank you everything everything is holy now in those simple words 
Peter Mayer captures one of our core theological perspectives and perhaps a related spiritual commitment and perhaps a related spiritual discipline too. Everything is holy now. Revelation is not sealed. The truth continues to be revealed as our UCC siblings in faith say, God is still speaking. One of my meditation teachers described meditation practice as being speed bumps to the well-worn habits of mind. And I love that notion. I love that notion and I extrapolate it to mean that Spiritual practices writ large are about throwing up speed bumps to our well-worn habits of heart and mind. And I'm reminded of those signs in the subway in London. I'm sure that you've seen or heard this expression, even if you've never traveled there. Mind the gap, they say. They too are a sort of speed bump to our well-worn habits of heart and mind, well-worn habits of body. They accept the fact that as human beings, we will likely not notice the space between the subway platform and the train. And they gently invite us to notice what we may not notice lest we fall and fall into a world of problems in the process. Everything is holy now. Speed bumps, mind the gap. Pay attention, particularly as you move between spaces. This gap, this space between is a threshold. And as threshold is our theme for this month, let's hold this image, let's mind this gap as we move a little bit further into that space between. A long time ago now, I had a daily habit for a couple of years. I think I picked it up because of something I heard here at church. In fact, I'm pretty sure I picked it up from a sermon that Reverend Jen preached. But the habit was this. Every morning when my kids were small, as they were preparing to leave the house, there on the threshold of the doorway to our house, I would ask for a moment of stillness. I would look them in the eye. Sometimes I would put my hands on their shoulders. And I would say a blessing to them. I would say a blessing over them. May the long time sun shine upon you. May all love surround you. And may the pure light within you guide your way on. And I would kiss them on the forehead or the top of the head and wish them well, and then off they would go. Now, lest this sound too um, saccharine and rosy and sweet, let me tell you that some days this blessing was met with rolled eyes. Some days we had just bumped up against each other with harsh words, which were almost always my fault and my failing. Other days we would be running late and the blessing would be rushed. But for some number of years, it was a constant in our lives, one of the threads that we followed that kept us pointed in roughly the same direction. What I recall is that no matter the context, no matter all of the other things that had happened in the moments before and after, in those few moments of blessing, we would both melt a little bit. Our shoulders would drop, our hearts would open to each other. It was this tiny micro moment of love and connection there in the space between, in that space of connection before they went out into the world. 
Friends, this blessing was my attempt to wrap them in love and care. It was my effort to help us all mind that gap, that threshold that they were about to cross from our safe and cozy home into a wondrous and exciting world. I was casting a little bit of a spell, one that offered love and protection from a world that I so deeply wanted them to experience, a world that I so deeply wanted them to explore, and yet a world that I knew was not without its dangers, its discriminations, its ability its tendency even to casually do terrible things to young brown women. If they were gonna cross that threshold and I wanted them to, I also wanted to wrap them in as much love and care as I could to equip them with some spiritual armor that might help them as they went out into the world. What we take with us when we cross these thresholds, it matters threshold. Say that with me, folks, threshold. Like it's one of those words that feels good in your mouth, at least it does to me. And threshold, like all good juicy words, has an interesting and somewhat mysterious history. When we look at its root, what we find is that the first part is, is pretty self-explanatory right? Thresh is from Old English and German uh, for, for tread, pointing us in a literal sense uh, toward this movement of moving through a doorway. But the second part is where etymologists claim ignorance or mystery, and I claim prerogative imagination. Hold? You don't know what that word means or why it is attached to a word that we use to describe moving through and between spaces? Come on now. You all know what that means, right? It turns out that if we dig a little deeper into the origins of this word, a lot more opens up. But for sure, there is a sense of crossing and a question of what holds. In her not yet published book on thresholds, Reverend Karen Herring, a dear friend and colleague, and I have to say a huge inspiration and resource for this sermon. In her not yet published book on thresholds, Reverend Karen Herring writes, the origins of the word threshold are disputed, but some say it comes from an old Germanic word meaning to thresh, to separate the grain or the nourishing part of a plant from the inedible chaff to take what feeds us and helps us grow and leave the rest behind. Notably though, the act of threshing is not a gentle plucking or simple sorting, setting the grain to one side and the chaff to the other. She writes, it typically requires a fair amount of force and time to loosen the grain from the plant's fierce grip. Threshing by hand is a laborious act of flailing the plants on a threshing floor a flat, smooth surface made of earth, stone, or wood. When possible, animals have been enlisted to crush the plants by walking in circles on it, trampling it underfoot, sometimes dragging a board over it. Reverend Karen goes on to write, whether by hand or machine, the task of threshing is followed by a second process called winnowing to sort the grain from the chaff after they have been separated. 
Winnowing is often done by the wind, lifting the lighter chaff and blowing it away, while the heavier grain settles to the ground to be gathered up and stored. Old methods of winnowing used a shovel, a fan, or a basket to throw the broken pieces of plants into the air, allowing the wind to carry the chaff away. Some barns were built with small winnowing doors positioned to channel the wind inside, where it would assist this lifting and tossing and sorting. And often, the work of threshing and winnowing was a community labor, a gathering of muscle and breath strong enough to break down what had been cultivated and to recover from within the seeds and sustenance needed for the future. Karen finishes by saying, no wonder the word threshold is so evocative, reminding us to separate what can be carried forward as nourishment from the chaff that sometimes hides it. What do we carry forward? What is it that nourishes us? What do we leave behind? And how much force does that separation take? Let's pause here a moment, friends. I want to invite you to think about the thresholds that you or that we have crossed in the last year or so. Or maybe to bring to mind a threshold that you see coming in the near future. Perhaps you're already in that doorway, already in that space between, or on its known side, looking into that next movement, the one that carries you over the edge and into the unknown. Maybe this is a year in which you graduate or have graduated from school, you started a new job, perhaps you lost someone for the first time. Maybe a relationship started or you got clean or sober or you started therapy. What thresholds have you moved through in this last year? Feel free to share them in the chat or maybe just write them down on a piece of paper that you have nearby so that you can take them in by externalizing them, by really putting them out there so that you can see what it is that you have moved through. Appreciate these movements for what they are. Appreciate the accomplishments. And what thresholds did we move through as a church? We went online in the space of a weekend a little over a year ago. We invited folks into our homes, even if it was over Zoom. We got closer even as we were physically apart. As a church, we opened the doors of our sanctuary virtually to folks who had long been curious, but who had stayed away. We took a leap of faith and finished one major construction project and started another. We moved past the fear of the bad that might happen and placed our hearts in the beauty we knew we could create together. We started the process of letting go of an old idea of policing in favor of systems that ensure that everyone flourishes and so many others. Let's take a moment to take in all of those thresholds that we crossed. And please thank yourself, thank yourself for moving through these thresholds and maybe give yourself a moment of rest before you move through the next one. Here 
is my point, church. Attending to thresholds invites us to pay attention not just to what is on one side or the other, but of the space between and how we move through it. It invites us to wonder about the things that we take with us, the things we leave behind, and what we need for the journey that we're going on. And we are going on a journey, church. We are growing and changing. Staff are leaving and others, others who we don't even know yet, are already dreaming of us and their ministry with us. The world is changing as we try to emerge from this pandemic and we are changing and shaping that world that we will come back into. We, all of us are on that cusp, looking back from where we've been, looking out into that as yet unmade world. In large and small ways, we have the power and the responsibility to shape it to cultivate in our lives the qualities that we want to infuse the world with. And so church, I offer you and us this blessing on our journey. May the long time sun shine upon you. May all love surround you. And may the pure light within you guide your way on. Satnam. May it be so, and amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.